Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Jen. I'm Natalie. I'm Ginny. And we are the Art History Babes. We're talking about David today. We're doing David. a David. a babe brief on David. He's he's a big name. He's a big one. Let's mm-hmm. say his full name for the layman. <laughs> I feel like that's been a favorite word of yours. I've lately. been saying it for a long time. <laughs> you guys are just now catching on. <laughs> Jacques Louis David. Wow, to be wow. exact. Very good. <laughs> uh, I took French. You <laughs> did. I remember. Uh, we we're talking about a very important painting by him. Oath of the Horatii was painted in 1785 by French artist Jacques-Louis David. Mm. The oil on canvas painting is pretty massive. It is 10 feet high by 14 feet wide, and it is currently on view at the Louvre in Paris, which you may have recently seen. If you keep up with the times, if you keep up with the kids, you may have seen Beyonce and Jay-Z's I'm just going to say it and we'll bleep it out. Eight video. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's the only thing we can do, really. Um, we actually just recorded an episode where we talked about that video and kind of picked apart uh, some of the art historical references. And this was one of them. So yes. if you're thinking that this uh, French artist from the 1700s isn't relevant, you're wrong. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. Incorrect. Incorrect. <laughs> A little more about David. He was born in Paris in 1748. He attended the Royal Academy and was trained as a neoclassical painter. In 1774, David was awarded the coveted Prix de Rome and left to study art in Italy the following year. While in Italy, David studied the art of ancient Rome, Renaissance artists such as Raphael, and 17th century artists including Caravaggio, Caracci, and Poussin. Wow, I love the pronunciation. Grazie. (laughs) Uh, Poussin in particular had an impact on David as he visited Poussin's rape of the Sabine women as a study before beginning his work on Oath of the Horatii. The compositional detail and rendering of figures are a clear influence on David's painting. In addition, both compositions deal with stories from Roman mythology. So according to ancient Roman historian Livy, Rome was feuding with a nearby rival tribe in Alba. Rather than go to war, the Romans chose to elect warrior representatives to fight in the name of Rome. Romans elected three brothers, known as the Horatii, and Alba elected three brothers, known as the... We've heard Karati and Horatii. Take it or leave it. Yeah, I I really can't find any consistent (laughs) pronunciation, so... C-U-R-A-T-I-I. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my Latin is non-existent. If we're going to, you know, pronounce Horatii, Horatii, we could just call them. Right. Horatii. Horatii. Yeah. It makes sense. According to the story, only one Horatii brother survives, but all three Horatii are defeated. David chose to represent the moment of the Horatii making their oath to Rome, and in David's words, showed the moment which must have preceded the battle, where the elder Horatius, gathering his sons in their family home, makes them swear to conquer or die. Conquer or die. Drama. Yeah. Very dramatic. It's hardcore. That is hardcore. Very dramatic painting. It's very Um, Roman. mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like that make a good bumper sticker. Conquer (laughs) or die. For like a militia man. (laughs) 
conquer or die. Like, don't tread don't, on me. Exactly. People who put bumper st- stickers on their car tend to be dramatic people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's fitting. You're making a statement yeah. there. You're going out of your way to make a statement. Ah, <laughs> uh, so. The Oath of Horatia is an example of a neoclassical painting with its subject depicting a story from the classical world. In particular, the story and painting convey virtuous behavior or exemplum virtutis, which became a popular subject for art during the 18th century. The painting serves a didactic message with the dramatic gestures of the three Horatii as they make their oath, reminding viewers of the importance of honor and sacrifice. In addition, David chose to simplify the space in the composition with the three Horatii and their father cutting into the picture plane on the left and women from their family grieving in distress on the right. The background is a simple interior space with Roman arches and there's a sense of room beyond them. Oath of the Horatii represents the growing interest in neoclassical themes and art. Additionally, it sheds light on the shifting political and cultural climate of France in the 18th century. The French Revolution brought about the emergence of the French Republic in favor of the previously ruling French monarchy. For the French Republic and many revolutionaries, the ruling system of a republic as embodied by ancient Rome was the model for the French Republic. David himself was a revolutionary, even though he painted for the royal family. Because of his role in the French Revolution, Oath of the Horatii is often viewed as a revolutionary painting. Namely, the story of the Horatii focuses on the theme of sacrifice for one's country and or political beliefs. The Republic of France, which opposed the rule of the monarchy, could have viewed this painting as a message to put the cause of the Republic before their own lives. However, the painting was commissioned by Louis XVI and was exhibited in the Salon in 1785, with no issue, and David received royal commissions after Oath of the Horatii. However, David was incredibly involved with the Revolution and was friends with Robespierre and Marat, and was a member of the Jacobin Club, which was the largest anti-royalist group in France. David later would vote for the execution of the former patron, King Louis XVI. So, guys brings about some interesting questions it does (laughs) like was this painting revolutionary so i think it's particularly interesting i mean david himself is a really i want to do a full-length episode on him at some point because yeah he worked through so many different political rulers and upheavals and came out on the other side each time which is very impressive because a lot of other painters that painted for the royal family before the revolution had to leave because otherwise they would have been executed. Mm -hmm. And he was able to kind of adapt and become a revolutionary, yet still was a favored painter of the royal family. Part of Mm -hmm. me respects him for that. And part of me thinks of like a Littlefinger character who's just really conniving and like (laughs) snake-like. I have the same kind of feelings, conflicted feelings about him in that degree. It is very interesting. Yeah, like I want to, to think like like the best of him and the mm-hmm. like that it was actually just this really like smart way to navigate like the revolution right. and stuff. Right. But yeah, there's also like, what did he believe? Like right. what side was he right. actually on? Right. You know? Right. And I mean with this painting too, like he was in Rome when he painted it and 
it was commissioned by the king. And neoclassical themes were really popular universally at that time. So it's not like it was just claimed by the revolutionaries. But it's that theme that can kind of cross the line because, you know, honor and valor and sacrifice can be used by anyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For whatever they want to use them for. And it's been used by everyone. (laughs) And especially especially like antiquity and ancient Rome and ancient Greece have been popular topics in art well beyond the 18th century. You know, when you look at the Renaissance and the Baroque, it was still a really popular subject matter in art. But what I think is particularly interesting interesting is the fact that David himself was a revolutionary and that revolutionary forces during this time really did admire ancient Rome and their governing system of a republic and the fact that they called themselves a republic. Mm -hmm. I think that perhaps made this painting more of a revolutionary painting than it might have been otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that a lot of the popularity of the neoclassical at this time, like you had said, it, it, it's uh, classical themes are easily applied yeah. to whatever yes. may be. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kind of malleable that way. Mm-hmm. They sure. are. But something about like idealizing the Republic before it became the Empire, mm-hmm. I think, really, yes. like, mm-hmm. r- really resonated with yeah. someone like David and other revolutionary artists and right. revolutionary enthusiasts. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I like I like that term. I'm a revolutionary enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> I dabble in revolution. <laughs> oh man, but I mean, this is just such a spectacular painting, and and I really I would love to do a full length. Yeah, on mm-hmm. yeah. I, as we kind of mentioned, um, we mentioned this in our our episode about uh, Beyonce and Jay Z's ape shit video um this painting as well as many davids are huge and mm-hmm. very imposing mm-hmm. and um are something something to see in person mm-hmm. for sure yeah mm-hmm. it's there's a lot to be said about like experiencing this work in person it's right. totally yeah a different experience like from anything you right. can look at on the yeah. internet yeah because right. i didn't really think i cared about david Me until no. i saw him because in person something about neoclasses like it's just not that interesting right. it can be it can be kind of dry. Digitally. Yes. Neoclassicism is yes. not that interesting. Right. But the scale right. really does kind of change things. Yeah, That's because it puts not you. very classical. Yeah. It puts you in the scene. Like, you stand in front of this, and the figures are, like, life-size. Yeah. They <laughs> are life-size. And you're yeah. in this crazy, dramatic moment all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. Um, and the emotion. And it's so and easy to understand how a concept like this could be so romanticized during the period of revolution where it's, like, you're putting your life, you're basically going into a situation where you know the chances are pretty good you're going to die. And it's all in the name of, you know, for the story it's like it's all in the name for Rome but you can see how young revolutionaries are like yes I'm gonna like march on the Bastille or yes I'm gonna march on Versailles and okay I might die but it's all for the Republic and you can understand how that kind of fervor can latch onto an image oh yeah definitely and find a lot of meaning in it that maybe it wouldn't have held if he had painted it 10 years earlier or something like that Mm -hmm. definitely Mm -hmm. So that, that's what it, we got on Oath of Horatia. I think so. I think so. That was Oath of the Horatia by David. 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 Check it out. David. Check it out. Uh, if you 
you don't know now you know yeah and uh check out our beyonce yeah. jay-z lots of bleep <laughs> video eight bleep eight bleep <laughs> check it out um that yeah that was a fun episode and and we get into it a little bit and what it means in that context of yeah, that video it's very cool <laughs> very cool stuff uh so thank you for hanging out with us and we'll catch you guys next time bye goodbye bye from Cabernet to Montmartre, they're here to slay the art history base. Conquer or die. <laughs> Don't tread on me. Exactly. <laughs> The Art History Babes podcast is made possible by support from our lovely listeners via Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash arthistorybabes to help keep the Art History Babes going and for access to bonus content.